0: You guys are catching uh, the end of a series I've been doing on Saturday nights on the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, I just just a reminder here as we go into these last days, uh, I had a testimony come in. And it's just to really just to push you to, to, to not look for it just here at the altar or out in the lobby. But this guy wrote in, he said, living word, I just wanted you guys to send you guys a testimony. Here recently I've been uh, watching the series by Pastor Jim, You Shall Receive Power, and I could say 100% honesty that I've started to see that power in operation in my life every day. I could go on and on with examples, but I'd just like to share two examples. First off, I'm a science teacher at a private Christian school. Recently, I've had two separate students come into school with serious foot injuries. The first was a girl who who had fractured her growth plate in her foot for the third time, so they knew what it was, um, and so I had the girl the next day, the next to her, lay hands on her on it, and praying she would have felt no pain and stopped limping immediately. Went back into the doctor that day. Um, there was no no injury at all where there had been pronounced one before. And then another student, he says, came in in crutches. Uh, hit so bad he wasn't wearing a it was foot was wrapped, and he wasn't wearing a shoe. And, um, you know, he wasn't able to put pressure on it at all. Same thing. He laid hands on it. And, uh, you know, the kid walked out of class in shoes. The swelling had gone down. And, you know, he goes on to say, he's a science teacher at a Christian school. I don't believe this one because he says, even though most of my classes were filled with Christians, they had no idea healing was a real thing. So I even got to bring them to Mark 16, uh, verses 17 and 18, so they knew exactly what happened, it wouldn't get confused thinking I had some kind of superpowers. And so you can see that even Christians today have no idea a large part of the body of Christ. What I'm trying to tell you is, is listen to your spirit out in the grocery stores. You know, that's not the devil telling you. Just go ask that man if you could lay hands on him quick. Don't, don't go up, you know, all weird or anything. Tell him it'll take five seconds. And, and if you get that, that's not the devil telling you that. Right, it's, it's, it's for, it's to bring in believers into the church. It's to bring people into the church. And so, but I want to open with a prayer. I've been praying for some time now since mul- midsummer, usually multiple times a day. I uh, actually taught it on it in August when James Tan, my mother, who's here today. Mom, would you stand, please? <laughs> Excuse she, she, she just... She just gave me a mean look for doing that, but, um, but, but we shared a, a service, the three of us, on a Saturday night in August, and um, I, I taught about 20 minutes on this psalm. There are a lot of types of psalms, um, aggressive psalms that are prayers. I call them war psalms, uh, and it's in a context of spiritual war. The war we're in right now, I pray it daily over you, over every member of Living Word multiple times a day, uh, people that attend Living Word that aren't even members, or people that are watch online, um, and uh, I pray it over this as a church, over me individually. It can be a very effective for your own life if you're experiencing any kind of warfare. I prayed it over the nation of Australia for two months. We just saw their borders recently opened. They're basically locked down. I prayed over the United States of America, the nation of Israel, all those people in Afghanistan that we left behind over there. I pray for them every day. And I pray it for the body of Christ as well as multiple individuals. You remember how Paul says in Ephesians, I just mention you. All you have to do is mention them. You don't even have to mention them every day. Some days you say, hey, Lord, you know those people I mention once a week, you know? And he knows exactly who you're talking about. This prayer can be an offensive prayer in the spirit world, or it can be a defensive prayer. You just need to receive it. Hopefully, the screens can follow along, because it helps, it helps you read. As if you read it, it helps you with what you're hearing, okay? And this is dealing with adversity. This is dealing with uh, governments It's dealing with the spiritual forces behind people that want to hurt you or your children, people that want to hurt me, people that want to hurt this church. He has shown me over and over, not just in my own life, but testimonies that have come in that is an extremely effective prayer. I have to say sometimes when you get on the right thing or a new thing with the Lord and the enemy knows it because he gets that violence in the spirit the first time that you do it, He hits back out of fear in a counterattack. You need to be aware that if you start praying this prayer, it's actually a good thing if the enemy hits you back. Because what that says is he's afraid, and he wants you to say, this isn't working. I can't tell you how many people that have needed healing in their bodies, and they start taking communion multiple times a day for healing. Yes, you can get healing through communion. Just by taking it, and focusing on Jesus Regardless of your faith level I can prove that in the Bi- in the Bible But I notice that It doesn't happen to everyone But sometimes when they start Taking communion for the healing And getting serious about it The devil makes the physical symptoms worse Immediately Okay And that is because he is afraid It's because they are on the right path And he knows it And he's bringing everything he has You know he ha- He doesn't have unlimited amounts of demons he took one third so in order to bring more towards you that he has assigned to you or your life he has to pull from someone else or pull from someone somewhere else and so when the lord puts me on something new and i know that it's effective i know it's effective if i'm attacked right away i've done it so many times in physical warfare if you've got two armies and one army gets a major defeat over another army, but they don't destroy that other army, many times you will see the army that was beaten in the first battle come back immediately with everything they have. It's called a counterattack. This is what the devil has, but he only, this is what he does. It's a regular thing, and he doesn't do it with everyone. This prayer we're about to pray, you could see immediate breakthrough, all right? It could be immediate, But sometimes if you pick up this prayer, and we have a copy of it for you in the lobby, and you say, I'm going to do this every day, see it as a good thing if the warfare comes. If the devil starts to bring it, that means you're, this is called contending for your faith, what it says in in Jude. So just receive this into your heart as I pray this over you to open this message. I believe this was given to me. At first, I started doing it really out of uh, just to protect myself, just to protect myself. And, you know, but we are on the cusp of the power of God. We are in the end times. And this prayer will circumvent anything the devil does to delay it or lessen the latter rain. That's what he wants to do. He knows it's coming. He at least wants to delay it or he wants to keep certain churches out of it. And so... On a side note, I don't picture vengeful people when I say this prayer. I'm going after the spiritual forces behind motivating the people. It's not about bringing down people. It's about bringing down spiritual forces, motivating those people. I believe this prayer is to circumvent the devil from stopping or trying to delay or minimize the end time latter rain. And that's one of the reasons he put me on this prayer. It's Psalm 94, verses 12 through 23. And so, in the name of Jesus, Father, we pray this over this body, over everyone in this body, over everyone online, over the United States of America. And you said, blessed is the the man to whom the Lord instructeth. And he teacheth us out of his word. What does he teach us? He said, he will give us rest from the days of adversity. Wow, you can actually pray to get rest from the days of adversity. I've heard people preach, you can't do that. Well, David did it right here. Until the pit be dug for the wicked. It says, the Lord will not cast off his people. That's you. Neither will he forsake his inheritance. That's you. Judgment shall return unto righteousness, and the upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for us against the evildoers? Who will stand up for us against the workers of iniquity? Thank you, Father. Who will stand up for us against the workers of iniquity? About a year ago, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. But when I said my foot slipped, sometimes that's all you need to tell them, is my foot slipped and what will he do for you? Your mercy, O Lord, holds me up. And then here's the second piece scripture right here. And then you ask for mercy, and the multitude of my thoughts within me, within us today, your comforts, Delight our souls. This is about governments. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee that frameth mischief by a bunch of laws? In Afghanistan, they gather themselves together against the souls of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. But the Lord is our defense. Our Father is the rock of our refuge. He shall bring upon them their own iniquities. He shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yes, the Lord our God shall cut them off. You bring us into a large place today, Lord. You bring living word into a large place, and you deliver us simply because you delight in us in the name of Jesus Christ. This is an eight-part series, part eight. I've been doing Saturday nights uh, called You Shall Receive Power. I'm wearing new shoes, and I feel like I'm, they're very. They're slippery. <laughs> There's so I'm walking carefully. But I have something I, I know that is for someone in this service. I believe it is a word of knowledge. And my question is I know there are people in here, maybe just one person. Sometimes the Lord will do that in a service. of Someone that's had to make a decision between Jesus and someone in their family. I remember a longtime couple here at Living Word, they've been here 37 years. Both of them had grown up uh, in the church of Christ, and I'm not saying anything about the church of Christ, but the Lord spoke specifically to this this couple and told them to come here to Living Word, because this is where they were being fed. This is where their children, who were young at the time, wanted to come, but in making that decision, they had to just go with the fact that the father and mother of the husband would basically excommunicate them from the family if they switch churches. You've probably seen that situation somewhere. If they left the long-time family church. So I'm trying to to put into context some scriptures that Jesus gave in Matthew 10. And I'm gonna start with uh, verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him I will confess also before the Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, Him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Listen, this is Jesus. Think not. It's not just peace. But I came not to send peace, but a sword. And he talks about the type of situation. For I come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. This happens in situations. I, I saw him this week even. Even before I got this word, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it and he that loseth his life shall, for my sake shall find it. Sometimes in order to really find him, it's gotta seem like you lose your life. And so it may seem like making a decision that God tells you to make, and I know this is for someone in here, I know in my heart it's for someone in here, it may seem that it separates you in some way against your father or mother, in-laws, sibling against sibling, but I've seen time and time again when you have have to make a decision between God and family, and you know in your heart God is telling you to make this decision, It could be a church change. It could possibly be cutting a relationship off for a time period. I don't know. That's why the Bible calls it a word of knowledge. I don't have the whole picture here. But just like that family I talked about, in that case, it was to change churches. God restored the relationship between those parents and the grandparents because in Roman, he did in the end. He'll bring it back around. If you make the decision that's in his will, he'll bring it back around. Romans 8, 28, we know all things that work together for good to them that love God, if you do his will. And if that does not resonate with you, then, th- then that wasn't for you, all right? So, we, to, through two sidetracks here, so let's get started. I think for someone in here, that's either a confirmation or some type of exhortation. And so, as I said, this is part eight. Basically, it's a series on the gifts of the Spirit Unfortunately, there was a mix-up in the schedule. I probably would have had something else planned for you, opposed to part eight of a series coming in here where you haven't heard the other seven parts, all right? And so, but there was a mix-up in the schedule. I didn't know I had this weekend. And so, just a quick review. I don't have time to review the seven other gifts of the Spirit, all right? All I can tell you, the main text that I've studied out of outside of the Bible itself, are James Tan's best-selling book on the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit called Releasing the Miraculous. We sell in the bookstore. Also, Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s book called, book called The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we sell in the bookstore. It says in 1 Corinthians 12:1, concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. This is a letter to the church. It's a letter to us. That means there's a lot of churches ignorant. They don't even know. Just like the guy said he teaches in a Christian school where none of the students had any idea about healing. That means a lot of churches have no idea. They, they don't even believe these are available. Gifts of the Holy Spirit and they're gifts. It has no, it nothing to do with your holiness walk. It's a gift that you get. All you got to do is want it. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, you have to covet you have to want it. First, not be ignorant. That's why we're teaching on them. And then you have to want it. It goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It says, every one of you have several of these gifts. Every single one of you have several of these nine gifts sitting in here today. So the last two gifts, um, what we're talking about today, and I don't think it's coincidence, when you had Billy Brim here on a Saturday night, she brings a guy up here, uh, an ex-Muslim, and has the whole congregation pray in tongues. And the guy sits up here, and he does an interpretation of the congregation's tongues in unison, which I've never seen, and interprets it through scripture. Like God gives him scriptures, this is what you were praying. I had never seen that before, and I heard my mom say she had never seen it before before. And so I apologize for the online people that night, because we cut that service off on live stream. And I don't even know if you can see it now, but if you could go back and see it, it's one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. Sitting, it was a long, long service. But but what we have to do today is tongues and interpretation of tongues, last two gifts, the only two gifts I haven't preached on. The prior seven messages, we've gone over the gifts, what Brother Hagen called the gifts of revelation. He categorized them. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. They all reveal something. They can come through a thought, a vision, a dream. They can come through a preacher. They can come through of listening to another Christian friend talk to you. And you can get a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Discerning of spirits deals, uh, it reveals something in the spirit world. And it's not just bad spirits. Many times it's good spirits. We went over the three power gifts, the gift of special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. Last uh, Saturday night, or September 25th, we did the gift of prophecy. So the last two here that that you're going to hear is tongues and interpretation of tongues. But I don't think it's coincidence when what we did two, two Saturday nights ago was tongues and interpretation of tongues. Here's where we find those gifts listed, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. To another, working of miracles, that's one of the power gifts. To another, prophecy, that's a vocal gift. To another, discerning of spirits, that's a gift of revelation. It reveals something. To another, diverse kinds of tongues and to another, interpretation of tongues. As you can see in this verse, you've got working of miracles, right? Power gift. As I said, it ends with tongues and interpretation of tongues. You know, these the, categorizing these gifts, the Bible doesn't categorize them. Brother Hagen does it to make it easier for you to understand. Simply, easier. You're not going to see them categorized anywhere in this chapter. And so, if you've got you got the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the vocal gifts, these vi- the prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues all are vocal. They're all involving what we say. The Lord using our tongues you know think about it he can use you it doesn't matter what you did yesterday you have Jesus in your heart okay he can use you if he used Peter to win 3,000 to the Lord 44 days after he cut a guy's ear off he can use you do you understand 44 days if Jim Hammond punched someone at the BP gas station Jim Hammond wouldn't be preaching for six weeks but the Lord used Peter that day not the other guys not James but Peter All right? And so you can have these gifts. All you have to do is covet them, want them, and not be ignorant of them and know that sitting right there in your seat, if you have Jesus in your heart, because the Holy Spirit, you're possessed with the Holy Spirit, all right? If you have the Holy Spirit, if you're possessed with the Holy Spirit, your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, you can have these gifts. You can have these gifts. And so Paul speaks about these gifts for a whole chapter. They play a major part in the power of God being dropped on the body of Christ like a hammer on the end time revival. 1 Corinthians 12:10, no, we already did that one. So listen, we combine with the gift of prophecy. This is called an inspirational gift of utterance. The gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues, you see references to in the Old Testament, but you do not see them activated. In the Bible, they are only activated by believers in the New Testament. These two gifts, okay? They're twin gifts. They're together. They go together. Private use of tongues is to connect with God on a personal level. Public use is amplified in the church, is amplified for the benefit of others. The devil generally attacks what he fears. We talked about that. I would say that tongues is probably the most attacked, reviled, and misunderstood of the spiritual gifts. I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to find out it was the most powerful. And and it was one everyone could have. Everyone. Everyone could have. And so, you know, in Acts 2, 1 through 4, you have the Holy Spirit filling a large group of people. Not people that were part of the religious Jewish hierarchy not prophets, not priests. You don't see the Holy Spirit as, as just being on people. Now you see him indwelling, just straight up indwelling. The people of the Old Testament, he came upon and, and came off of periodically, right? You have him in you. God is in you. Think about that. At all times, you need to be aware of that. So, the Holy Spirit is not taking over the disciples' hands here when he comes down as a rushing mighty wind. He doesn't take over their hands and have them go out and lay hands on everyone. He doesn't take over their legs. You know, what did David say? You give me the feet of a deer. By, by my God, I can run through a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. I think he gave David supernatural powers. Right. How does Samson kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey? They were armed. That's supernatural powers. He could have given them supernatural powers of you know you within their legs. He could have taken over their minds so they could have the thoughts that God thinks. He could have taken over their ears so they could hear the voice of God audibly. No, he empowered their vocal cords. That's what he took over. And they spoke new languages. So really, you could say the Holy Spirit valued control over the tongues and their language more than any other part of their body. You know, James, who was present in the upper room to receive tongues of fire, this is what he says about the tongue, James 3, 2 through 4 and 8. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, that same is a perfect man. If you can go without offending someone with your tongue, you're perfect. So he said, you're perfect. There's no perfect people, so it's impossible. And it goes on to say, You're able to control your whole body. Your whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they obey us, and you think we turn their whole body. He's trying to say, Your tongue turns your whole body. He talks about in verse four how the rudder of a ship can, a tiny little rudder, all right, can control a giant ship. And he's comparing it to the tongue. The tongue controls everything. Everything. It controls your life. It controls your life. If you're living a miserable life, look at what you're saying. Look at what you're speaking. You want to be a bad tennis player? Say you're a bad tennis player. Right? You want to be overweight? Call yourself fat five times a day and you will be overweight. I can give you scriptures backing it up, backing it up all day long. He goes on to say, James 3, 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil and full of deadly poison. So obviously James understood the tongue was the rudder that controls a person's life. And according to James, no man can tame it. So it's interesting that the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost empowered the disciples with tongues, languages that could steer their lives in a different direction that they did not understand. The Apostle Paul had no direct encounter with Jesus while he was living, but Paul had some very intense experiences with Jesus after the resurrection. We know they were extremely spiritual. You have Paul declaring in 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen, I thank God I speak with tongues more than any of you. I speak with, and it's almost bragging, right? It's almost like, do you want to know why I'm successful? Do you want to know why I can raise people from the dead? Do you want to know why I can do what I do? I speak with tongues more than any of you. He's telling the Corinthians, and he's thanking God for it, but we know that was his private tongue life, private life, private tongue prayer life, First, you know, at the end of this service, because I don't think we've done this in five years, anyone that doesn't have tongues, you can get it at the end of the service if you come to the altar, all right? Because, um, you know, some churches are called to evangelism, right? Some churches have different callings. This church is called to pray, right? And you're definitely welcome in this church if you don't have tongue language, but I'm saying it, it changes everything. It changes everything. And if you don't have it, then how do you know it doesn't? How do you know it doesn't? All these people that criticize it, they don't even have it. They don't even have it. They haven't even done it. They, and if they did have it, they didn't do it long enough to understand what it does. For, and But we know Paul was talking about his prayer language, his private prayer language, when he says, I speak with tongues more than any of you, because of the next verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 19. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding but my vo- but that my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So, you know, when we have those services, my mom has services where the church is praying in tongues, sometimes 10-15 minutes. We had one in August with James Tan. You know, people always write in. They always write in and say doesn't Paul say not to pray as the church in tongues? Well, you'll find out because it affects the non-believers. Not every service here at Living Word is for just non-believers. Did you know that? There needs to be a corporate type of prayer, and the congregation needs to get together and bust it out in tongues because there's power in it. So if you want to write a letter saying this is what... The Corinthians were out of control. The very same services, they were getting drunk. They were taking the bread. They were, they were eating dinner and, right, and you'll see that they all came and they all wanted to in, a tongue or interpret a tongue. They all had something to give, right? And so their services were chaos. And he's trying to bring order to their services. Paul's not saying a congregation cannot get together in a service and pray in tongues. That's ridiculous, all right? And so you'll always see it here. When Paul references speaking in tongues more than the Corinthians, he meant in private prayer And we know, or at least get the same sense, that Paul spoke in tongues aggressively. And so 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. You know, overseas, in, in, in lawless villages where you can't call 911, I've been with James Tan. When he has his light blue umbrella... Walking around, it's kind of embarrassing because it's not raining. <laughs> that's just something the Asians do, you know, they wear, it, but they have umbrellas in the sun. And, and, and where I really felt endangered, or I felt, I knew that tongues protected us. It's the only way I can tell you when you're being sized up by an Indonesian village gang, okay? I'm just saying that you really see it, it really becomes prevalent. In hairy situations, when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray because he's got control of your tongue. He's got control of your tongue. And so the Pauline revelation contained in the epistles forms the backbone of New Testament theology. I love the Gospels. I love the Old Testament. They all have a reason, but I tell you what, the Gospels, all that teaching that Jesus does is Old Covenant. He hadn't died yet. There wasn't one Christian on the earth at that time. He's not talking to you. The epistles are talking to you. You have to pay attention. Is Jesus talking to the Jews? Who's he talking to the Pharisees? Who's he talking to? He's mostly talking to Jews following Judaism and his own people in the gospels. He had not gone to the cross until the very end. There was no resurrection until the very end of those four gospels. Yet exclusively the epistles are for the church. They are for the church. The position of the believer seated in heavenly places is found only in the epistles. The believer's position of victory over the enemy is found only in the epistles to the church. The gift of diverse kinds of tongues is defined as a supernatural utterance from the Holy Spirit in languages never learned by the speaker and rarely comprehended by the hearers. The gift of tongues has nothing to do with linguistic ability or the mind of the believer, all right? It's an outward manifestation of the mind of the spirit, of the mind of him that's in you. You have, you have, you have, you have a spirit man ears. You have spirit man eyes. and You have a spirit man mind inside of you. When an individual is speaking with tongues, usually their mind and intellect and understanding are not involved. In other words, you can watch a football game I sat and watched in the building. I'd never been to a, I'd been to a Vikings football game in, in years and prayed in tongues half the game in the middle of chaos. And it is chaos. It is chaos. And uh, for some reason, my daughter's a Cleveland Browns fan and went in simply Cleveland Browns last week. And so we're, we got really good seats. And I, I, I just thought about that. I thought, I'm sitting here and I'm praying to God the whole time right, in the middle of all this chaos. And you can be totally connected, but your mind is not. You know what's going on, but your spirit, man, is connected. And you can get or receive the manifestation of speaking in tongues in numerous different ways, numerous different ways. I want to read to you straight out of James Tan's book how he got it. It's very interesting. He said, after I became born again, leaving behind my Catholic background, I became curious about the charismatic, spirit-filled church I joined. A whole scene of clapping, lifting hands during worship, witnessing miracles in church was foreign to me. But the thing that caught my attention immediately was that funny language charismatic spoken. Different languages. I didn't know until later that they even had a term attached to it called tongues. One evening after a stirring service, I went home thinking that if this tongues thing was real, I wanted it. And so he fell asleep, and then he had a dream. And he dreamed of a worship service, and he dreamed of himself praying in tongues, singing in tongues. So he's, he's dreaming this, and when he woke up, he was still singing in tongues, and that's how he got his tongue language. So you can receive it in in multiple different ways. It's important there's there's a difference between our private prayer language and a public delivering manifestation of tongues. There is a difference, which the Bible says is for the benefit when it happens in church, it needs to be interpreted unless we're in corporate prayer. You know, when, when Pastor James or, or Mark Hankins or my mother says, let's, li- let's lift up our voices in tongues, okay, well, you're not going to probably get an inter- maybe not get an interpretation then, all right? But, but when you hear, say over here, a man out loud, when it gets quiet at the end of worship or some other time, boom, tongues, you see this all the time in the body of Christ, They're, and it's quiet, there's going to be interpretation, And the Lord will try to give it to someone. And if they don't want to do it, he'll give it to someone else. He'll give it to someone else. And so there's a difference between these two gifts, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues and the basic believer praying in tongues in his private time. The gift of diverse tongues is a supernatural utterance given by God through a believer. Since it is an unknown tongue, it needs to be interpreted by its twin gift in the service. We're talking about in the service. And it's always for the edification of others. Always, it's never calling someone out, never exposing someone. It's just like prophecy. It's edification, it's comfort, and it's exhortation for the body, for the believers. Okay, and it's the same as prophecy. It's the same thing as prophecy because in the Bible it even says Paul says, "I'd rather you prophesy." All right, because It's the same thing because it does the same thing. But with tongues and interpretation of tongues, you have to do two things to get the same thing you're getting from a prophecy. Do you get what I'm saying? You're doing two things to get the edification and comfort for the body where a prophecy just comes. New Testament prophecy just comes. Tongues is a door to the other manifestations of the spirit. It is uh, maybe the door. The gifts can manifest in any believers, but tongues in our private lives give you a greater awareness and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I felt like at that football game, I could look around and I I could almost see pasts, what she's been through, what people I didn't even know, you know, and I'm just letting God Talk to me, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren? Now listen, this is the chaos their sermons, their 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 services were in. The Corinthians. Remember, they're getting drunk during communion. They're grabbing bread and running back to their seats and feeding their family with it. All right? Because it was probably all at the front. And so he's correcting them. And trying to bring order to their service, how is it then, brethren, when you come together? Every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, right? Every single one of you do. He's saying, He's talking to them about it. He's talking to them about their services. 1 Corinthians 14 22 and 23. Wherefore, tongues are a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Okay? Get a prophecy? It's for the believers. That's what he just said. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak in tongues, and there come in, in those that are unlearned, that don't understand it, he says, they're gonna think you're mad, right? So they were so out of control, right? Like during the preaching, I think you just had tongues, 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 right? It wasn't a corporate thing they were doing like we do here. And so he's trying to bring control to their services, um, but keep in, manifestation, keep, keep in mind the Corinthian church had more sin in their church than the Ephesians. The Galatians were caught up in the law and we're going back to the Old Testament, right? And getting themselves under the curse of the law, Right? But the Corinthians had a sin issue. Read Corinthians. But notice, they had more manifestations of the Spirit than any other church. So many manifestations of the Spirit. Paul had to explain what everything was. About all the gifts and all that. So I go back to, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's not about how holy you are or how holy you think you are. It's not about that. And so he says, listen to what he says. In verse 23, if therefore the whole church come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned, that they'll say that you're mad. Okay? And it's because they had so many manifestations. Paul was cautioning here in the last scripture that if these tongues are not interpreted, that they would have an adverse effect. Because the non-believers are just seeing during a service, people just throwing out tongues in the middle of everything. So so Paul was saying there needs to be an interpretation in public. At no time does he prohibit tongues. He's providing guidelines on how they should exercise their services. And then notice in 1 Corinthians 13:1, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. So it's not just uh, previous uh, gone away human languages, human languages, languages of angels languages that have never been heard another excerpt out of James Tan's book releasing the miraculous I love what he says here There, there have been times when ministering that I've entered a place in the spirit where it seemed like tongues was my natural language so he was so he he'd been doing it so much I I've only experienced that a couple of times And on many occasions when this happened, it made speaking English a challenge. I've seen him where he'll preach and tongues will just come out and he'll try to get back into English and he's going into tongues almost every minute, you know. He said, one time I was actually caught up in the spirit like this for over six hours and could hardly communicate in English. It was like being swept into a trance that only affected my speech. There have been other occasions where this has happened and other ministers attending meetings would be caught up in the spirit with me. When this happens, we can actually converse in tongues and respond to each other with knowing. Their spirits are so connected and so in tune, they know what they're saying to each other. And so there is a level of spirit-to-spirit communication that is available to believers in the same way. We connect with others over a shared interest. He talks about being in a week-long series. We're starting to close here. Um, And he was on the stage at the end of a service. He was at a Midwestern church, and he was walking back and forth, and he was speaking in tongues quietly, and the, the congregation was worshiping. And then suddenly his tongues became really aggressive, prevalent, louder, and he knew that he had to give an interpretation And he says, Joshua, James, Joshua, James, Joshua, James, three times, all right? Goes into tongues, maybe 30 seconds. And then he says, raise up, raise up, raise up. It's not over. Don't say you won't, all right? With the congregation looking at him expectantly, everything just kind of goes flat in the spirit, like just the air went out, and the Lord said, close the service. So he closed the service. Ten minutes after the service, up in the pastor's office, they told him that a man came running up to the stage crying and said, did he really say Joshua James three times? Did he really say that? He told them that six months ago, he and his wife had lost a child during pregnancy and that they wanted to name their son Joshua James. But after going through the trauma of losing the child, they were so affected by the death that they decided they would never have another baby. All of a sudden, here in James' hands say Joshua James, Joshua James, Joshua James, more tongues, then raise up, raise up, raise up. It's not over. Don't say you won't. So the Lord was saying, no, 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 you have another child. Don't say you won't have another child. So it was just for those, yeah, he, he did tongues. It was his own interpretation, his own interpretation right there in church. Isn't it interesting Okay, so he comes back two years later in the same church, that same couple had a newborn son named Joshua James. So he had a public demonstration of the gift of tongues and interpretation, but it was a private message for one specific couple. So interpretation of tongues, following tongues in a service is always for the benefit of those in attendance. It's a supernatural interpretation of a message that was delivered in tongues to the church. So you have the message in tongues, just to be clear. I know you all know this, being made understandable through the gift of interpretation of tongues. It's it's an interpretation. It's not a translation. So you can have a long message in tongues. Someone over here comes with a long message in tongues. I remember being a kid and seeing this. And then a lady over here Comes with one sentence. And I say, well, she got that wrong because, you know, that was 45 seconds. She comes with three words. No, 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 that's not wrong. It can be that way. It can work that way. They don't have to match in length. Okay? I know a lot of you know this, but this needs to be taught. This needs to be taught. And if you already have your tongue language, use it. Use it. Because it can fall off so easy. And, you know, the length of time does not, if it does not match, it does not matter. Also, you can have one person come with tongues, and then another person come with an interpretation of that tongues, and then another person interpret that same tongues with a different interpretation than the others, and it's all good. All good. Mom's calling. You want to talk so bad, don't you, Mom? You want to come up here? (laughs) She's telling me what to say down here, and I... She could say it way better than me, trust me. And so, the, you know, the, so you can get two interpretations from one tongue given, right? And what I've witnessed, the most common way that interpretation is received after a message in tongues has been given in a service is there's almost like a gentle pressure. There's a, there's, there's a quietness, almost a knowing, and then it's followed by a word or a phrase, or even just a paragraph, or, you know, we're getting into like Billy Brim the other night, where suddenly you, you've got a man interpreting the congregation's united prayer, it's, you know, which is amazing, with scripture, straight scripture. And so, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret You know you can do this in your private language? You can interpret your own tongues, but you have to ask. You have to want it. You have to covet that gift of interpretation. Remember, the Bible said you got to covet these gifts. So you've got the Holy Spirit instructing those who flow in the gift of diverse tongues, prompting them to ask for the ability to interpret. The purpose through this manifestation again as is with all the gifts, is for the edification and the building up of the church. Interpretation of tongues can come through inspirationally speaking the message as it comes, or I've seen it. Someone has a vision and they describe the vision. This is what I see. This is, and they're describing the vision. And so, to either of those things requires a measure of faith. Now. Because, and you all have a measure of faith, but it says in Romans 12, 6, it says prophecy is proportionate to our faith. So in other words, prophecy can come in proportion to your faith, then interpretation in tongues can come, and interpretation of tongues can come in proportion to your faith. Because the message through these twin gifts equals the gift of prophecy. It does. So with that, we're going to close this service. And I would like to invite anyone that wants to speak in tongues that does not to come up front. If I could have the altar ministers come on up to the front. What, what, what? Mom, here, let's, come on, just come on up here. You got, I know you got something to say. I know you got, she just kidding.
1: It's funny to me that we keep saying, we keep saying, okay now, And that we talk all about the demonstration. But then we don't do anything about it. We don't do it. I mean, it's crazy. And it's crazy to me that it says in the Bible, when you speak in other tongues, pray that you will interpret. Pray that you do. Pray that you interpret. Why do you pray that you interpret? Because God wants to talk to you. And this is one vehicle or avenue which he can get a message to you. Like the whole time that Jim was at the ball game and he's praying in tongues and he's looking around. He's looking around and he's knowing the situation in these people's lives. What is that? It's an interpretation of his tongues. It's just that simple. So right now, if, we, if we, we could all speak in other tongues, by the way, if you all speak in other tongues, you know, your identification, your thumbprint before the throne of God is your language. A thumbprint. Just like no one has your thumbprint, but you. You have that language. No one else on the whole earth has that language, but you. So... In heaven, when you start praying in other tongues, you are known and labeled by that language. No one else on the whole earth has it. This is how diverse God is. He doesn't make duplicates. He doesn't, I don't have to duplicate Tamara's tongue because he's a creator. He only makes originals. And he can have as many languages as he wants to. Right now in this room, if you start speaking in tongues, that's how many languages are going up before the throne of God, and you yourself are identified by that language. That's how personalized it is. You know, a lot of people, you know, their language is not used very much there. Oop, praise the Lord. Moving right along. They're like, God will be sent. Oh, I remember that language. I gave them that language, but they don't never use it. But then there are others. They pray all the time in tongues, and heaven is very attentive to that one because they use it all the time. And right now there is a tremendous emphasis on on tongues and interpretation. So, what we're going to do right now is we're going to give a tongue. I'm going to give a tongue. All right, I'm going to wait a minute. And if somebody wants to stand and give the interpretation, they can. If no one stands and interprets, I will do it. Why? Because I pray that I may interpret so that everybody in here will know what God is saying at this very moment. And you say, well, you have to use your faith. Nobody's ever spoken in other tongues that didn't believe they could. Do you know anybody that's ever spoken in tongues that didn't release their faith for it? Absolutely not. So both, both gifts, and uh, they are one. And the more that we pray that we may interpret, the more we shall. So claim, tom brasti keshia, lamnetikei apost at de davarastosa. See, the reason you, why don't we get an interpretation? Because you don't practice it. These things are not unusual to the throne of grace, but you have made them unusual to you because you never use yours. When you begin to pray in other tongues You are endowed by your Creator With wisdom coming down to you and part of the glories of heaven coming down to you This is very supernatural This is not a natural thing and it is very important at this time, that the church, if she is moving from glory to glory, she begins to use this gift. It is part of your gloriousness. So it is very important that you use it. It is very personalized. and Actually, you are labeled by your tongue. You are labeled by your interpretation because your spirit, before you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with power, your spirit was locked up. It was bound. It struggled. But when you prayed in other tongues, your spirit said, aha, I have a voice. And I can speak. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah.
1: This is not unusual. This is an everyday occurrence. Every day. These things are not unusual. I could go on and on and on. Praise the Lord.
0: Mom, will you come to the 11 too? (laughs) Sure. Good. Thank you, Mom. Gracias.